Hello and welcome along to the RTE Rugby Podcast, our third last pod of the season. The weeks are flying by and it's all big business between now and June with semi-finals and finals in the URC and Heineken Champions Cup to break down. We'll be recapping last weekend's URC finals, looking ahead to the Champions Cup final this Saturday. That's Leinster against La Rochelle at the Aviva Stadium. Four o'clock, the coverage gets underway on RTE 2 and RTE Player. Bernard Jackman is on the pod this week. He'll be part of RT2's coverage. And James Downey will be there for RT Radio 1 as well with commentary alongside Michael Corcoran on Saturday. Lads, how are we doing? Great, thank you. Good, thanks, sir. Can't wait for this game. Yeah, we'll start, though, back at the Aviva Stadium last week where both the E were as well. And Jack Crowley's drop goal sending Munster into the BKT United Rugby Championship final. 16-15 winners against Leinster. They'll play the Stormers next week in the final. Birch, just to, to talk about one moment in a game, just changing a narrative entirely. After 74 or 75 minutes, it looked like Munster were out of gas. They were pinned back into their 22, a point down. We were all going to be talking about another missed opportunity, Munster's wastefulness in the 22, about how they'd missed out on this great chance to, to catch Leinster on the hop. And in fairness to them, they run it out of their 22. They run it out from deep. They get themselves into a position. And Jack Crowley puts it between the posts. And uh, the, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, and to do that with the fatigue that they would have been um, under. And like, I, you know, from from the gantry, it was very obvious. Our, our, sorry, their body language looked like they were out on their feet. And obviously Leinster had had a strong uh, fourth quarter. Uh, and you just felt, exactly as you said, that Munster would have ruled all the the opportunities they had in Leinster's 22 and didn't didn't convert. Now, some very good defence from Leinster, but Prendergast was interviewed before halftime and he said that was the big message that was going to be um, drilled into the players at halftime, that they need to convert those chances. And just after halftime, they got back in again and, and, and went away um, empty-handed. And then we had that big turnover on Salanoa when they were only a couple of yards out. And you just felt, despite Munster having played really well, it was going to be one of those games where they where they, they fell short, but could could have taken a lot of confidence from it. But the manner in which um they worked their way up the field, um the first they needed to play fast when Tharkson knocked it on because their scrum was under pressure. So a reset with a scrum probably wasn't going to be of great advantage to them. Um and they took the risk and it took a little half break from Rory Scandal and a brilliant kick on the run um from Craig Casey, which found grass and then they pressurized Nick McCarthy and and then they got into their counter-attack shape. And, you know, obviously the drop goal was was really sweet. Um, very close to getting blocked down by Baird, but Crowley nailed it. And, um, yeah, they'll go to Cape Town now um, on a real high and obviously should have some players back. But it's a great performance by Munster. Um, they showed, I suppose, how they saw an opportunity to beat Leinster, and that was by keeping possession. Keeping possession made Leinster make over 250 tackles. Um and took some took a lot of risks as well, ball in hand, and and played those fifty meter channels. Sometimes it looked like it was um it was wasteful to actually throw those long passes to somebody who was going to get you know tackled, but um it allowed them refine a little bit of shape and 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 find some soft corners elsewhere. So very very impressive, and obviously Leamy, you know, to hold Leinster fifteen points, how rare is that, uh, especially at home? Um, so yeah, it was a good day all around for Munster. Yeah, and James, it was funny, like obviously on the, you know, the wastefulness was a bit of an issue and will be something they'll have to address in the final. But I, at the time when I was watching that game, I was thinking, oh my God, look at all the chances they're they're letting slip by here. 
And it was only re- it was only on Sunday when I actually kind of watched it back again and took it all in that you're kind of going, OK, on one hand, even if they were to have gone on and lost, it would have been an absolutely brutal feeling. But I remember looking back at the 2021 uh, Pro 14 final against Leinster at the RDS. Leinster won 16-6. It was a 10-point win for them. And in reality, they probably could have won by 30 or 40 points because Munster under Johan van Grand that day just did not fire a shot. Sometimes it's a little bit better to, if you're going to go out, go out swinging for the fences. And in fairness, it was that sense of adventure that was getting them the opportunities in the 22 earlier in the game that was ultimately the same sense of adventure that got them out of their own 22 and got them back into a position. So in the end, the intent won, but just about. Yeah, I I think so. I think if you look at the start of the season and how Munster played against Glasgow and all the errors and the mistakes and trying to play so simply with... The new game plan, I suppose, um, that Prendergast has brought in and tried to instill with Roundtree and, and Leamy. I think if you contrast it to the end of the season, they really have pushed it on because there was a lot of naysayers at the start of the year who were saying this is they're going to struggle. They're not getting a game plan from where they are now to gotten themselves into a final. It's got to be credit one to the players, but also to the staff. You know, I think they've put a lot of hard work in in behind, and it just goes to show he's. Graham Rowntree's spoken a lot about, about player power and making them make the decisions on the run out there. And and he wants to play and he doesn't want to um, have these tight games and not fire a shot and not ask these questions. I think he's one of these coaches who says, go out there and have a go and, and not be left wondering. And he, the last, that's the last thing he wanted to do is be sat in the dressing room going, oh, if only we'd done this. Whilst if you throw everything at it, not much you can do. If you're beaten by a better side, you're beaten by a better side. But I just think that Munster, um, yeah, just controlled the game when they had to control it. Didn't need a bit of luck as well. Um, I think they got that luck. I thought, like, even with, like, Birch mentioned it there, I think Brian Baird is very close to, to blocking there and Jack Crowley as well. And and Leinster, as much of a gamble as Leinster took in, in selecting that side, still were close to winning that game as well, you know. Um, but you do have to give so much credit to Munster and how their game plan has evolved, how the players have bought into it. And you'd like to hope that they can certainly go on and kick on next week because if you look at they beat the Stormers, Stormers hadn't lost a home, they beat Glasgow, Glasgow hadn't lost a home, and they beat Leinster, and Leinster hadn't lost a home. So um they're certainly riding a crest of wave at the moment. And who'd bet against Munster in a European final or in a in a final next week? Yeah, nobody believes in us is is one of the great uh one of the great sporting kind of uh kind of mottos. But to go on to the back to just the game itself, Birch, and the third quarter, uh I just it was just one of the best 20 25 minute spells I think we're going to see in a game this year where you had Munster every time they were getting the ball they were just running it straight back down at Leinster they were finding loads of holes outside of the 22 and finding loads of opportunities to get themselves into position close to the line and then Leinster would come up with some absolutely brilliant defense and just soak up every tackle and until the point where they were forcing a mistake and Munster would come right back down at them again and then ultimately, after two or three goes at that, Leinster get the ball. They go up and score a try themselves. It was just absolutely pulsating for those 20, 25 minutes. And you said it as well earlier on, where at that point, once Leinster got into the lead, it actually looked like Munster were absolutely just wasted with energy. Like they they looked like they had absolutely nothing left, but just about found some. As a second half in particular, it was a really good at 80 minutes, but I just thought the second half in particular that... 20-25 minute spell after half time was just absolutely brilliant yeah absolutely and, and like you kind of felt it was a real I certainly felt it was a real sign of their 
of their spirit and uh, and their mental toughness because Leinster had got that score just before half time, you know, to go in at half time in the lead, yeah. and it would have been easy for Munster to feel, particularly with all the injuries they had going into this game, the fact that they've been on the road, the fact that it's Leinster, that it just wasn't going to be their day when they hadn't converted some of those opportunities, and and they they kept pushing on, pushing on, pushing on, and didn't let the disappointment of obviously not scoring um and turning down points again and again. Um, affect them and I thought the bench made a big impact and when you think that you know Kendellan and, and Jack O'Donoghue in particular Rory Scannell um, I thought were, were excellent when you think of the players they were missing from the previous week with the HIAs um, it was a very very impressive uh, what they've done and, and early on in the year, if you remember <clears throat> Ranchi was talking about we, we have to change how we train <clears throat> you know we're not fit enough we're not well it's not that we're not fit enough, but we're not equipped to play this high-tempo game that we want to play, and that's the way we're going to go because we know we can't maybe mix it with the biggest teams the way we used to in the past with playing 10-man rugby. Um, so there was two thing, elements to that. Well, three elements to that. One was to increase, I suppose, the players' belief that it could work, um, and they've obviously done that. Um, two is the fitness levels, and then three is the skill set. And while some balls went to ha- went to ground, um, and their skill set definitely has more improvement to make. Um, I thought that a lot of the the handling they they that they put in place did ask questions at Leinster and and, and allowed them keep possession, um, for far longer than than teams normally do. So I think they've made a lot of progress. I still think they may win the URC, um, and I hope they do. But I I still think they're a couple of front rows away from being. Genuine contenders against the likes of Leinster and La Rochelle, um, in in Europe, um, but where they were twelve months ago, um, they're a, they're a different team totally. But James, if you look at the the changes that have happened over the course of the last twelve months to the to to everything pretty much on the pitch there, like it's not as if. Roundtree has come in and just kind of tweaked a couple of little things that were going on in the last administration. Like Birch mentioned, the way they trained has been a big change over the last year. Like bringing a real pace into it and and getting those skills working under physical and mental pressure. You look at the they seem to be imposing their own game on the opposition a lot more rather than trying to figure out a plan to stop the opposition. Like it looks like they kind of have a, an identity to the way they play. The personnel has changed a lot as well. You look at. Shane Daly and Calvin Nash keeping Simon Zebo out of the team. Like 12 months ago, it would have seemed inconceivable that Simon Zebo couldn't get anywhere near a Munster team if he was fully fit. Joey Carberry's been dropped as well. Like Roundtree hasn't been afraid to to make big changes to the to the team and make big calls, which has probably been a, an important thing as well for him stepping up as a first-time head coach. Yeah, hugely. And I think there are some big brave calls I think as well you mentioned there the game plan I think that's that's crucial I think players understanding of the game plan and, and what Roundtree and Prendergast are trying to achieve out there and defensively with Leamy I think it's a case of everyone buying in on that um, and, and improving that skill set skill set under fatigue is um, very hard to do it's hard to replicate so you got to try and bring it in as Birch has mentioned again in, that, in the training sessions using the high tempo and even in the warm ups I was watching I know, okay, look, Leamy's come back from Leinster. He's gotten an awful lot of um, information from there. He's shown that Leinster have, uh, play at this high tempo. 
put some small bits into into the way Munster do it and and, and it's helped kind of kick on Munster and, and, and evolve them even more so I know people might like to hear that um taking a few things from Leinster but you've got to use um they're the, they're the flag bearers for for the competition and in Europe so they've got to use whatever they can to kick on I think you have he's mentioned some players as well like I think Calvin Nash has been absolutely superb this year and um like he was unlucky with been knocked out or missing this game so look players are, are are coming on he's making the right calls and yeah hopefully Munster can get that win next week and Shane Daly was someone the lads on against the head birch were talking about on on Monday night and it's the use of the wingers really that that's been really really interesting and I I know from press conferences and stuff this season we've spoken to Daly and to Nash and one thing they've said is like with the way they're playing this year that they're doing a lot more than chasing kicks and trying to just retain possession. They're given a bit of license to come in off their wings, get involved in play, chase action a little bit. And it's it's exactly what like Andy Farrell always talks about. I can never remember is it that he doesn't like tidy wingers or he likes messy wingers. But that's what they're that's what they're doing at the moment. And it's been a really, really interesting element of their play. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they they look different players, I mean, than they did under under Johan. Uh, Mike Haley as well has got uh, a, a much um, clearer role in terms of how to counterattack, how to play on on turn off turnover ball, and uh, and in fairness to Prendergast, I mean, I I thought the stuff about copying Leinster was a bit uh, was a bit much because actually Munster attack isn't exact same as, as Leinster at all. It's actually more of a French based uh, attack, and Prendergast. Um, it is what what Daly and Nash are, are doing now is, is is basically what Leinster are doing. Sorry, what Ireland are doing um, in terms of wings and Leinster, but also Prendergast was doing this for three or four years with with Racing, um, and and Stadfront say beforehand, and and um, it's just the way the game has evolved, uh, and it has shown Daly and Nash uh, shown that they're better players than they looked uh, a year ago, um, and that's that's what coaches need to do. They need to um improve the players and and Prendergast as a, as a backline I think is he I think he still will feel it's not a finished article um there's still more there and obviously they've had a lot of different changes at ten this year um and nine to be fair as well there's been a lot of chopping change in there so they haven't probably got a settled run at it but when they do I think they're going to be a, a threat to any team that's come in 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 both competitions. Final point then James and Munster before we move the conversation on towards Leinster. Scenes were brilliant at full time on, on Saturday evening, but it was important to see likes of Graham Rowntree, Peter Mahoney, Keith Earls after the game as well, stressing the trophy is the goal here. You know, this was just one victory. It doesn't really count for too much unless they can go down to, to Cape Town and win, which is obviously a massive, massive challenge. And they'll probably they'll, they will be underdogs going down there, but it's about winning a trophy for the first time in twelve years. Yeah, look, and I understand the professionals that they are, and they're going to come out and try and control the narrative and say, "Look, it's like it's it's a final. We want to win. We've won nothing here today." But also, on the flip side, I do think that you do have to enjoy these wins. It's not as if um, Keith Earls has a huge long list of of, of victories up in up in the Aviva and beating Leinster, nor do many of them. I think you could see after the game, you were talking about celebrations that. They had their families coming out. They did enjoy it. And I think it's rightly so that they enjoy these wins when, when they're few and far between. So, And they do have a two-week break. They can recover. They could have enjoyed each other's company. You could see the squad were coming on the on the, uh, on the the pitch as well. And 
celebrating enjoying it all so that's all encompassing in, in terms of what Roundtree's trying to achieve down there so look you expect the same bites from from the from the main players there but I think that if you look into next week there's going to be uh, this week as well big focus on it you know it's Munster's first chance in the trophy in a long time so um, they'll be extremely driven um, and as I mentioned there they've beaten the, the last couple of games they've beaten sides that have unbeaten records at home they've beaten the Stormers already down there and so they have had a pretty successful trip down there in the last couple of weeks. So it's not going to daunt them at the moment, you know, and I think they'll go in there. They'll probably be underdogs and um, no better team to go down and upset the odds. Yeah. And the, the bonus as well for the next season is by getting to the final, they'll be one of the, they'll be in the, the top pot for the champions cup as well next season. So the implications going on further into next season on Leinster though, and we may as well move it on to them because they have another big game coming up this weekend, Birch. Considering the team's going to be largely changed for this weekend, how much of a momentum killer is uh, is the defeat at the weekend? How easily do you think they can park it and move on? I think they can park it and move it on pretty easily because there's so many different players who didn't play in it. Um, I think it focuses the minds in terms of how how cruel, cruel and ruthless knockout rugby is. Um, you know, so the majority of the players who play this weekend. Were, were involved in Marseille where the game was taken from them. Um, you know, they were leading going into the last couple of minutes and obviously uh, that try from Rettier, you know, took the, took the silverware away from them. And, and likewise, whether they're out on the field, the likes of Van der Fleer um, or, or Conan at the weekend or Henshaw, but the rest of the lads sitting in the, in the ground could see how if you don't put a game to, to, to bed, uh, the best teams will come back and 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 um take it away so they'll refocus the mind i think this I, I don't think it'll affect them massively um but i think it does heighten the pressure on them as a squad um to win this weekend because there's nothing to look forward to the week after there's no second bite of getting silverware and sending players away you know on a high um or or finishing the season with the silverware that Leinster have to judge themselves on because of the resources they have. So I think there is a huge amount of pressure this week and um they have enough experience to handle that, but it does it does add to the, the stress and the challenge. Yeah, the pressure is the big one, James. It just adds this this another layer to it. Like this time twelve months ago, you would have been you probably would have been backing Leinster to win a double last season. And now they are eighty minutes away from potentially going to trophyless seasons back to back yeah it's 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 huge pressure really um i agree with what Bertie said there that they'll be able to kind of flip around and refocus again this week but yeah it's like within within four days we'll we'll know what has been a, a pretty unsuccessful season and and again and and talking about that knockout rugby it is cruel that's part of it that's the to, to interrupt as well as obviously like the flip side is win this weekend last week's 80 minutes is entirely forgotten to be totally honest <laughs> yeah no completely and I look and, and and Europe is I'm sure if you if you ask every Lancer player what would they prefer to win if they had a choice they would all choose Europe so I think that this is the big focus I do think that the pressure is there yes but this side are, are well used to it I think you look at what La Rochelle have done last week as well and kind of um resting some of their players they've had the same similar mindset maybe of been able to rest and now it's the focus is on this and 
they know both teams played obviously last year in the final and they'll know what to expect. So um, pressure will be there, but um, certainly going to be built up to be uh, an unbelievable final. Yeah, and versus the the re- the psychology of the rematch is brilliant because there's so much you can pick out from last year's game of things La Rochelle did right, things Leinster might have done wrong, little moments that might have swung things. But I, certainly in last season's final, La Rochelle and Ron Nogara admitted as much afterwards. They seemed happy to to let Leinster take those shots at goal all day long, play their three six nine rugby. Uh, while La Rochelle knew that to beat Leinster you're going to have to score tries and that's what, what they were banking on. Would you expect Leinster to go for the jugular a little bit more this year, try be a little bit more aggressive or is it still, like are you still talking, like it's cup it's cup rugby, cup final rugby, it's it's take your points when they're available? Yeah, I, I think they have put a huge focus on being able to convert those mall opportunities this year. I think their mall is better um, and, and why you put any any anything? But yeah, they, why they, it is better? They, yeah, the, their body height, their ability to um, have a, a shift drive quite quickly and win that kind of forward momentum, and then not give the opposition the chance to to recover. Um, so they spend a huge amount of time on it. They actually signed Jason Jenkins to give them that uh, extra power in that area, but obviously Ross Maloney's form um, has meant up till now that Jenkins has had to wait for the uh, bench or had to come off the bench. Now, whether we haven't seen the team for this weekend, but it was for pe- teams like Toulouse, La Rochelle, Bulls, etc. that Jason Jenkins was, was brought in to give them that extra bit of physicality. And look at, maybe it's his role is off the bench to give him that physicality and power late in the game. Um, But the ultimate test would be with La Rochelle because it has worked well in the URC. It's worked well in, in other games. Um, in in Europe, but this is a bigger pack than they come up against. And Donica Ryan as well as someone who has given this pack, who have massive power and and uh, uh, and size, a lot of detail as well. So they're they're more detailed say than to lose pack in terms of how they maul themselves, but how they defend malls. And um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. I think Leicester have to go to the corner, um, if they have. Uh, kick away penalties early doors, and obviously if they can't convert them, then they they need to flip and um and, and take points, but or, or 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 obviously try and score an open play. But I think early doors, if 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 Leinster turn down or, or take points, shots at goal, I think that would give La Rochelle a little bit of belief from you know unless it's very kickable. It's so you're saying you you you'd want a season to to go yeah I'd rather go to the corner, like, corner yeah. early doors and, and test that yeah test yeah. that rather than. Rather than um, you know, let them off the hook with with three six nine. Yeah, because I think La Rochelle's attack, I think they will score. You know, to go back on Jason Jenkins, who you mentioned there, you're you're saying obviously like it's we're going to be finding out on Friday if he if he's going to be starting or if he's going to be on the bench. Do you do you think it's where Leinster need him is in that first fifty five or fifty odd minutes, or is it in that that last half hour? Because as you said, they've. They signed him because they wanted the the bulk and the power, but certainly in the second half of the season, we've seen them, we've seen them bring him off the bench and and close out the games and and have that power in reserve. Like, do, do you think against a side like La Rochelle, Leinster would would prefer to have that extra bit of power in the final 20, 30 minutes, or do they want it for the first fifty? 
you don't want to show them any weakness in in uh, at scrum or or on mall time. Um, and to be fair to Jenkins, I think he's improved his his footballing has improved this year under under Leinster uh, under Leinster's coaching as well. Obviously, um, the, the what he's been asked to do and uh, in Munster was different under Johan, but also he was injured a lot. Um, but I think he looks more mobile. Um, and, and a ball player but Bert, Ross Maloney has been outstanding Ross Maloney is Leinster's go-to line-out player and they will feel they will feel that I think that line-out possession um, a quality line-out possession in in the areas that aren't mall in opportunities is nearly more important like Leinster have an array of of, of strike plays off line-outs which gets them on the front foot hurts teams and Maloney and his ability to read line-outs to call and to win it himself is, is a big part of that so I actually think they will go with Maloney to start and have Jenkins there as a bit of a safety blanket. Jimmy, what way are you leaning? Yeah, no, I would Bert sounds like he knows something there, but yeah, no, I I would I would agree though that Maloney's been outstanding this season. Um and last season as well. I thought he's superb. I think he's uh he's so astute around that line out, but also him going up against your kind of with Dunica Ryan, who would have that detail in, in the line out area as well. Um he, he would um, he would thrive on, on on this type of competition and also it being Leinster too you know uh, having that extra incentive for him but I do think that yeah uh, in terms of if you're looking at uh, how the game will go I do think that Leinster do need to go out and attack Leinster need to score Um, I don't think it's going to be enough against the French side where you do go 3-6 even though it is a cup game I still think that Leinster do need to score and they, they are pretty efficient once they get into that 22 into that 5 metre channel so He'd want them to back that confidence that they've had over the past while and uh, and send it into the corner and, and, and have a go. And if they aren't getting those penalties or those opportunities to go into the corner, how do they go about breaking down La Rochelle? Is it a case of trying to keep those big those big heavy forwards moving around the pitches as much as possible and, and try as much as you can tire them out? I, I do think so because I think if it's a slow game uh, I think it's going to shoot suit La Rochelle if it's going to be scrums it's going to be you know um, scrums line ice malls it's going to suit the heavy boys the, the big pack I know um, Leinster mightn't have as much bulk and first mentioned there that Jenkins is brought in to bring that on but I think that by Leinster moving the ball around trying to to change uh, and fatigue those those heavy front five forwards so they can't impact the game uh, as much as they are, they can carry as hard. Like just move them around. It's going to be it's going to be key footwork, which we've seen from like a Kaelin Doris uh, at the gain line, moving these big lads around is, is going to be crucial. Also, speed of ball. Um, the breakdown is going to be absolutely massive. Lenser can get that ball away quickly, not let the big guys. Because if it's going to be a collision, La Rochelle are the bigger players. But I think it's a case of if Lenser can move that ball around and. And not let it just be someone running straight up. Use that footwork to to get in behind and and try and stretch these La Rochelle uh, players. That's going to be key to their success. And if Birch is, if that's what they want to be doing, how confident are you that they will be able to do it? Yeah, I am confident. I think that they've been waiting for this opportunity for twelve months, um, and they have evolved. You know, when they've had that first team on the field, they've they've looked to be close to unbeatable and I suppose probably the closer I get to the game the more doubts I have but probably if I look at what the Leinster did and what a lot of these players did in an Irish jersey this year and they have shown the ability to I suppose um, use that footwork against bigger teams um, play a high tempo stretch teams they've got a great skill set they've got a good variety 
So it is at home for Leinster. Um, I think they are. I think they are good enough. But just been looking back last weekend over at La Rochelle in the recent weeks. Obviously not last weekend when they rest the players, but the weeks uh, leading up to that. And and I remember listening to Rog before the game against against Saracens the the semi final, and he said, "Oh, you know, we're not where we need to be." Yes, but that the plan is to peak now this weekend, uh, and and obviously in two weeks in, in a couple weekends in top fourteen. So they they have tailored everything and they took a gamble on on not being at the absolute best for Saracens, but obviously managed to handle them pretty well and looked pretty good. Um, so they are coming here. They are the champions. They this is their third final in a row. They're in the Challenge Cup final in two thousand nineteen. I mean the their consistency in in European knockout rugby is is off the scales given. You know where they've come from to, to our Prodi Two side in 2014. So and it's great um, to see. And it, sorry to interrupt. It's great to see another French team buying into Europe as much. Like I know Toulouse are always there or thereabouts, but you know we do have a lot of French teams who come good for a couple of years and then just vanish yeah. again when it comes to to European stuff. But it's great to see that like O'Gara has clearly brought the has raised the importance of European rugby for. For La Rochelle than probably what it was before he arrived. Yeah, it's brilliant, and and uh, he's got the players to uh, believe in it. And also, sometimes you see with French teams when they have a bit of success in Europe, they go oh, top fourteen is the priority. And obviously, La Rochelle, a, pro- a top fourteen for La Rochelle would be incredible. But they haven't let go of this uh, hunger to to actually you know retain their trophy in 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 Europe as well. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's a it's such an interesting story project built around you know a great president um you know a fanatic fan base uh, um obviously John O'Gibbs and Raj now taking on from from John O'Gibbs um and just creating this this team who are joy to watch as well and not just in so many different ways sometimes they play brilliant rugby um you know sometimes it's that power game um sometimes it's based around um, you know, really smart tactical kicking game. Like they, they're probably the team who evolved their tactics the most, uh, on a game by game basis. You know, you can just see Rog just really trying to find key to stopping an opposition, and then you know the players and uh, being able to implement that at a, at a very high level. There, it's a it's a great story, and if they could win it again back to back and win it in Dublin, I mean, it would just be be something else for for him. But um, obviously from a lesser point of view. Um, it's it's so important that they they have that silverware now. Um, because not to win a European Cup since two thousand eighteen, um, to have that many internationals, to have that budget, uh, to have that academy, um, that's where they have to be judged. You know. Yeah, and James bursted it there, like to to not win a European Cup since twenty eighteen. It feel like it does feel like a long time for what for how for how consistent Leinster have been over the. The course of that time, it would be their it's their third final since then. Um, Stuart Lancaster moving on, Johnny Sexton moving on. Like there are, there are a lot of big motivations for Leinster coming into the to this weekend. Not least being able to send someone like Johnny Sexton out with the, I know he's not going to be playing, but you know, a great ending to a great career. Yeah, look, we, we've we've heard Leinster talk about this elusive fifth star for. Um, quite some time now, as we said, 20, 2018 and third final as well. So, yeah, they've gotten close, but they just haven't delivered on on the occasion. I think just the way that 
the Irish side have gone, the way Leinster have gone. I do agree again with Burst that coming up to this weekend, I was very confident that Leinster would win this weekend. But as you get closer to it, you kind of you kind of question and, and wonder and think what what O'Gara is going to do and what's he, what he's going to have up his sleeve and how Leinster will turn up. But I do think um, that it has been quite a dry patch in terms of that European success that Leinster have needed over the past couple of years. And and, and if they don't get this success this weekend, it's been pretty a pretty poor season then when you look back with no silverware because ultimately that's how you're judged and, and Leinster do judge themselves on these European Cups and that's where they want to see success regardless of um there's no kind of emotion that Sexton's finishing and um Lancaster's moving on. That's part of sport and yeah maybe they'll use a small bit of motivation but look I don't think that's gonna um that's gonna impact them any 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 one bit. Like I think it's a case that Leinster just need to really have this drilled focus. They don't have to worry about anything next week. It is purely on this, and and, and that's where their mindset needs to be to to get that elusive fifth star. On the the teams themselves, Birch, not really too many changes aside from the obvious, like Johnny Sexton's not going to be there from Leinster from twelve months ago. La Rochelle, there's there's a, there's a good few changes like in key positions across that across that like the, what we'd expect the match day twenty three to be. I know there's still the the spine of your skeleton, Antonio, Bourgeois, Aldris, Dante, but you know without half Astoy there, Tuera Carbarlo obviously missed the final last year. Like there is, there there are a couple of changes that they've made, but they seem stronger to though. 20... Yeah, I I think La Rochelle are stronger. Will I think you know Carbarlo being fit. Um, is is massive. I mean, he is he's outstanding. There's lots of talk that he could be playing for Australia in the in the World Cup, um, or or even France, who he qualifies for on on residency. I think just before the World Cup, and then Hastoy is um is an excellent recruit. I mean, that, the thing with Rog is is he's he's actually brought in some really good GIF players. Um, you know, so he brought Dante down from. Um, from Paris, he brought Dulan from from Paris. He brought Hastoy from from Poe. Um, sometimes sometimes we fall into the habit of just talking about Botia or or Raymond Rule or or Will Skelton. Um, but they've got a very very strong um French uh team player or group of players as well, Bougerie, Aldry, etc. So, um, I think Larchel are stronger, stronger than they were last year, which. Uh, and Leinster are probably stronger as well, um, particularly in terms of depth. But I thought it was great for Leinster to have Kelleher and Henshaw back last weekend to start, uh, because well, I presume Robbie would start, but Henshaw Kelleher, looked good as well. Henshaw looked good. No, Henshaw was excellent. He was excellent. I mean, uh, and then having Kelleher there, you know, to finish the game, um, could be could be absolutely massive as well. So look, both teams are in. In a, in a in a really good place, and La Rochelle, I don't think I think there's only one injury um this weekend. Nearly every single one of the players, bar one, is is is, is available, which is incredible work by you know the medical team in La Rochelle. And James, the the fun part then as well. Uh, obviously you've got a nice little monster cue to what's going on at La Rochelle as well. Like you've Raj Dunnikarain. I know Alton Delan is you know a, an ex Connacht player, but he's a he's a Kerry man, and Sean Dougal as well into the SNC and contact skills coach. There's like a little a little mini monster revolution taking place down there as well. Just just to spice things up for a game against Leinster. That's it. Just a small little bit of spice that the monster. As, if, leave, as if it uh, needed any as well. As if it needed exactly any. just just for that extra week of two weeks in a row, monster men can do a job in Leinster. So look, 
I'm sure that'll be in the back of their mind somewhere. But like Rogers, not going to buy into any of that stuff. Like he's got them so well drilled. I think it's a case of um, implementing their game plan that he wants to do at the weekend, and it's certainly going to be a fascinating. Uh, it's a fascinating sideline. I'm sure we're going to see it all this week in in the press about. Uh, with Raj and, and Dunnock and, and the likes in the background. But uh, ultimately, for that 80 minutes, it's uh, Raj is very astute. I think as well, he's going to be able to make these decisions on the hop. And if something's not working, he can change it and not wait um, till the last 10 minutes or something. And if he sees something's not right, he's one of these coaches who will take someone off and and, and put on something to try and change that one, especially in the final. So you have, to, you have to go for it. But yeah, certainly plenty of loads of subplots going around in it. So um, as I said, it's going to be a fascinating affair this weekend. Yeah, I, I thought to. he was brilliant. Neil, I thought he was brilliant yesterday at the press conference um, because it's, it's he got a sense that the the French journalists in particular were hero worshiping Leinster uh, a little bit, and they were asking questions around, um, you know, how is he going to stop Leinster? And he was like straight away batting away. He said, "Stop Leinster, La Rochelle. Who's going to stop us? How are they going to stop us? You know, just flipping it and." Talking about the quality players he has, um, and whereas before he he'll talk up the Leinster players, I think now he's he's talking up their quality and and saying they're hungrier than ever, and um, it's not about conserving your title or retaining; it's about winning it again, and just really, uh, really smart how he how he he works the media. Um, he's a master at it. A hundred percent. Like I actually remember the after the final last year, being down in the the press conference room afterwards, and it was Ogara. It was who else was there? Aldridge at the top table, um, Sazi, I think, and someone else. And I mean, to see the way the players were even just looking at him as he spoke, he had the players and the media eating out of the palm of his hand, to be totally honest. And he just has this kind of he has this hold of a room, which is yeah. really, really rare, uh, that I've that I've seen from coaches over the last few years. Final thoughts, lads. Give me your Give me your final prediction. Birch first. I don't even need a scoreline. Who's who's lifting the uh, trophy on Saturday evening? Uh, I can't. Uh, I think Blarishell are a quality side, but I think home advantage just get Leinster across. James? Yeah, that would be the only thing I think that would do it if if the Leinster supporters can get behind. Because if you look at Marseille, there's pretty strong support from the... La Rochelle following there that might have just driven them over the line. I think Lens are going to have to use the home advantage. Yeah, I'm curious to see how many La Rochelle, La Rochelle fans will make it over with the, the price of hotels. They were great crack in Marseille last year, I have to say as well. Um, Finally, before we finish up, we'll do a few minutes on, on Connacht. The season ended 25-43, beaten by the Stormers in Cape Town in the, the URC semi-final. To be honest, James, like the scoreline wasn't really reflective of the the game. They got themselves back within a a puncher's chance in the last few minutes, and you know the Stormers picked off a couple of late scores as well. Ultimately, they gave it they gave it a right shot, but the Stormers were just too good. Yeah, there was look, it was always going to be a long shot for them to go over there and upset the odds. And I think if they kind of sit back and look look again, start of a season where they were. There's a bit of change in the guard. Andy Friends obviously moving on now as well. A lot of players have shifted on as well. That would they have taken that potentially? Yeah, you know, okay, like a lot of errors in that game as well. Um, I just think it was a bit of a frustrating game from a if you're a Connacht supporter looking at how they were playing. But look, I think if you're looking at next season, how they finish up this season, would you have taken the start of the season? I think so. I think 
Um, going you into you next certainly season. have taken it after three or four defeats in five games. Exactly. And that's where they've brought it on. That's where when the whole, I wouldn't say debacle, but when Andy Friend said he's, he's moving on and then uh, Pete Wilkins has, has stepped in and he's overtaken now and he's started to put his stamp on things um, towards the end of the year and Andy Friend's taking a bit more of a back seat and I think that um, the backroom staff are all sorted now for next year as well. So Connacht just has to use a positive from, from how they finish that season. Okay, bar the last game, but use that to kick on again next season and really push on. And ultimately, they've they've gotten into Europe again as well, which is which is crucial for them. Yeah, and Bert, so Birch is the important thing for Connacht now over the next few months to make sure that when the season starts up in, up in October, like there's plenty of changes in the off season. There were plenty of changes in the off season twelve months ago as well, and ultimately it took them quite a while to work their way through the season and find something that worked and get into their groove. But the challenge this time around is they have to make a running start when the season picks up in October. They can't, every season can't be, okay, we've made lots of changes. We need to build our way through and try peak late on. They're a team that need to make a running start. Yeah, they are. But I think they're they're probably um, in a good position to do so because um that champions cup qualification is a is a brilliant carrot and they've they've got that look forward to they have spent time investing in in some of those young players coming through the academy who now look very capable Dylan Tierney Martin um uh the, the two Murray brothers Paul uh, Ford exactly yeah really Ford was 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 outstanding and he's a really nice you know um backup or replacement in the, in the pathway for for Bundy uh, in time, Hawkshaw, I know he came from Leinster, but he was outstanding this year when he when he played. Um, and they've got some further, you know, this year's under-20s had four or five very good Connor players uh, in, involved as well. So then from a coaching point of view, obviously Muldoon is coming back. You know, he knows Connacht inside out. Obviously he has the experience from working um, in Bristol. Fardy understands the URC, European Rugby um very well from his time in Leinster. Uh, has he's been a winner coaching, as well. A winner has been coaching in Japan. Wilkins is is still going to be very hands on. Um, and then Mark Sexton, you know, has been working with the Connacht Academy, so we'll know exactly, you know, how Connacht want to play, and and uh, will will add his own little layer to it. Plus, they have four months; they've had a long preseason. So, I actually think, you know, Connacht, Connacht actually shouldn't start slowly because of all the changes I think they're actually changes that can gel quickly uh, understand what's what's needed and then they have the time because of that preseason and they're only going to lose um a few players to a World Cup duty um as well so they will have that squad intact um for 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 most of those four months which is incredible all right so fingers crossed for connect over the over the long preseason that's where we'll leave it for this week's pod a reminder uh, La Rochelle and Leinster Heineken Champions Cup final live on RT2 and RT Player this Saturday evening. Four o'clock is when coverage gets underway on RT2. Live commentary as well on RT Radio 1 with James Downey here and Michael uh, Michael Corcoran as well. That's it from the RT Rugby podcast from this week. We will be back next Wednesday recapping the Champions Cup final and looking ahead to the URC decider between Munster and Stormers. We'll speak to you then.